Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Trap Draw podcast. My name is Randy. I am joined, as always, by Tron Carter, Mr. TC. Good morning to you, TC. How are you today? I'm great, Big. I'm, I'm even better knowing that you had an exceptional experience on United yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Did I ever? Uh, can't wait to talk about that. Uh, T's and P's to our guy, Dan Hicks, who did not have a good experience flying out of LaGuardia on Delta yesterday. We can get into that, but we also have another guest with us. Third man in the booth, our good friend, Mr. Cody McBride. He is the host of downrange. It is part of the no laying up podcast series. I urge you, if you do not know what it is or have not checked it out yet, find downrange uh, anywhere you get podcasts. Mr. Cody, good morning to you. How are you, sir? Gentlemen, how are we doing this morning? Excited to be here. It's a beautiful day in North Carolina. I just can't wait to uh, discuss a little hot topics with you guys. So thank you for the invitation. I appreciate the shout out for Downrange. And right, if anybody out there hasn't dabbled a little bit, jump on in. Uh, what's, always looking for what's up. Yeah, sorry. What's the easiest way? I mean, I can explain it, but I always love to hear from you. What's how, how do you what's what's your elevator pitch for Downrange for folks that don't know what it is? It is a another podcast that's part of the No Laying Up Podcast Network that kind of follows my interests in life. So a little bit of military, a little bit of golf, and a whole bunch of life. So we like telling interesting life stories that hopefully people can learn a little bit from, can ponder and think a little bit on, uh, but ultimately take something away and try to make themselves a little bit better. And, and sometimes that's a good way or a, a bad thing, but you know, at least people are learning. And sometimes I think that there's this vicious cycle of information that's out there that people don't really learn things from anymore. So that's what we're trying to bring to the people and, uh, you know, excited to, to do it. Cody's talking to interesting people. Bottom yes. line, period, yes. point blank. And Cody have is knuckleheads in there. Bring you guys in the booth. Interrogate <laughs> your asses. I uh, would love that. Always, always open for that. I, I was going to say Cody is a very interesting person. And the reason we wanted to have Cody on this week is for his military background and experience. Things are obviously percolating popping in, off Randy. in Ukraine with uh, with Ukraine and Russia. So that's going to be, I think, the thrust of today's episode. And, and we can get into that. Um, Cody, are, are, I assume you, you very much are monitoring the situation over there. We are on top of it. Uh, and as part of my official duties for no laying up as chief security officer, we got to stay on top of these world events. You never know what's going to happen between Ukraine. Don't call it an invasion invasion, uh, as well as new information that's come to light about Havana syndrome. We got to keep the people protected. So that's my my number one goal and uh, get the information to the people. I could see Randy and Neil getting getting uh some havana syndrome on a strap trip <laughs> we went to taos and uh part of the local lore is there's this like especially this taos hum which is this kind of ever-present noise at a certain 
I don't know, wavelength or decibel level that some people claim is there. We, we didn't really hear it, but uh, I think Neil really wanted to believe in it. So that, that I don't know why, but that kind of reminds me of Havana syndrome. Uh, You'll love shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, before we dive into kind of the, the, the serious matter um, around world events, we, we have some, Maybe less. I don't know. I don't want to say less serious, TC, because anytime Baffert's in the news or our, our, our guy Bob Baffert's in the news, that, that's serious. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, though, there's other news. So let, you want to start with Bob Baffert? Yeah, I know he's your guy, uh, you know, right down the road from Cincinnati. Great there. flow. Uh, yeah, some of the best flow we've ever seen before. Uh, just an epic scumbag. And uh, I guess it, Medina spirit, Medina spirit was, was officially, uh, they, they, they officially, the piece, by the way, for win, right? Yeah. And the yeah. horses died, <laughs> which, you know, RIP, um, but they slapped him on the wrist. It's bullshit. He should have a lifetime ban. Baffert. Yeah. I mean, well, I feel like, I feel like the horse already has a lifetime ban because it died. Right. But, what are your people telling you about, about the situation? They're saying that, you know, it's essentially, um, I think it essentially equates to like a two-year ban is, is, is what I'm seeing here. It's, uh, 75, he was fined $7,500, which, oh, oh, you know, huge deal there. Uh, he's suspended from the Derby for two years because he's separately suspended from Churchill Downs, which is separate from, uh, yesterday's decision. Now his horses can't race anywhere in Kentucky. California has also said it will, it will support the ban effectively keeping him out of California for two years. Um, but you know, like where does this leave him with, with the Preakness or with, uh, the Belmont or, you know, any of the shit down in Florida or the, you know, um, you know, anything over in, in the middle East, it's crazy. You know, like uh, it just seems like it's, it, it seems like boxing a little bit where there's, there's some, you know, there's just all these different agencies or federations in charge of policing the sport. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm going to throw horse racing right in there with NCAA, IOC, <laughs> FIFA, all your people, Randy. <laughs> uh, well, in addition to those punishments, I'm seeing the, the winner's purse of $1.86 million has to be returned. Uh, so I hope I hope they didn't spend that money quite yet because uh, that's well, tough. The horse. Mm, I'd have to look that up. I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, I just, you know, it, it's disgusting. But they've All crowned them. a new champion, Mandalon. So they're going to recognize the the new champion at a, at a later date, the Kentucky Derby said. So they got that going for them. And I hope they get the, the full winner's purse along with that. Uh, so the the uh, owner, um, Amr Zidane, Saudi Arabian businessman and serial venture capital investor, thoroughbred horse breeder, and president of the Saudi Arabian Polo Association. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't see him being too too pleased about this. Cody, you know much about the Saudi Arabian Polo Association? I know nothing about the Polo Association, but I just did a quick Google of him. He's got tons of pictures with my boy MBS, so I'm sure he's he's in good hands over there. It seems that Amir and Baffert are still 
on the same side as this. They're they're both they filed a lawsuit against the ruling of it. Uh, but this goes all goes back, and, and you guys kind of know what what the horse doping situation kind of is about, right? Well, I figure everybody just injects whatever they want in, in every horse. Well, it's kind of what people have accused Bryson of for a long time, and that's like you, you basically juice up up until the very final moment uh, and then try to flush it out of your system like two days before a race in order to pass a drug test at the very end. So that's what they're doing to Medina Spirit. Bob Baffert has a history of doing this. Uh, Medina Spirit's not the first horse. And, and, and ultimately, if you think about it, Medina Spirit's very, very young, but the horses are bred via bloodlines to be able to perform at this super high level. But the fact that he er, died of a heart attack at such a young age and you can't bring it back to any of the, you know, pharmaceutical treatments that it was under is kind of mind blowing. And I, I think people lose sight of the horse in all of this and kind of look at the punishments just like we're doing for Baffert. He's a bad guy. And what you said, what's what's going to happen in Maryland or Florida or New York, wherever else he can race. I'm sure they're going to welcome him with open arms because he kind of is horse racing mm-hmm. in an industry that is plagued by a bunch of bad, bad hombres, he's at the, the top of the list. It reminds me Randy a lot of a boxing. Big, yeah. Randy, you're a big D-Wayne Lucas guy. I know he's he's your guy. I like D-Wayne Lucas, of course. I, I say that without knowing anything about him. So uh, he may or may not be my guy. I, I don't know. Who, the do owner you know, of how many other how, how many other trainers do you know? Is it like D-Wayne and Bob Baffert? I think that's it for me, yeah. Todd, oh Todd Pletcher. Todd Pletcher, yeah, yeah. What's the the uh, what's the analyst name? Lafitte Pinkai. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Yeah. I'm I'm, qui- I'm quickly getting out of my depth. Keith Slocum. I know he's a, a jockey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The jockey also- life is wild. I, I grew up with a lot of jockeys, so it, really? it's weird. Yeah, Northern Montana. They uh, we got <laughs> we we run small, I guess. So it's prime. <laughs> prime jockey uh picking season up there but yeah a lot of my buddies it's funny because we would we would wrestle all through middle school and high school and and so we're small guys cutting weight and not really that tall and this might surprise people i'm 510 now officially 510 uh but when i graduated high school i was 53 when i started high school i was barely five foot Cody might have been uh, on some of those horse PEDs. <laughs> wow. Trying, I'll tell I, I, I. So, real quick side note: I wrestled uh, and played golf all through high school. Uh, the The lowest weight class that I could wrestle in high school is ninety eight pounds. And in order to qualify for the ninety eight pound division, the minimum that you could weigh was eighty eight pounds. I had to weigh in in complete sweats with things put in my pocket in order to make the 88 pound minimum. So as a, a little guy and all my, all my buddies who uh, I wrestled with, they were jockeys in the summertime and it is a rough life. I, I, I know people have probably seen Seabiscuit or Secretariat and they kind of make it glamorize it a little bit, but these guys are uh, not getting paid a lot of money. They're living on the road with some questionable people and it, it's just kind of a fascinating world to look at from a macro level cody how uh any uh not to get us too far off 
off subject here, but any experience with uh, rodeos? Yeah. There? What do you want to know? Like, just like, yeah. Like what's your, you know, have you ever been in a rodeo? Like what, you know, what's <laughs> outside of my like uh, super younger years where I was mutton busting. I think if you look at the downrange introductory video that uh, the main man, DJ pie put together for us, there's a couple cowboy picks in there. So people yeah. can go back and, and take a look at that. But yeah, or like, it's like, what's your strength? Like, are you, are you good at like, roping a goat or a, or a, a goat? do you rope <laughs> that, goats cody that that wouldn't necessarily be like a, a rodeo uh sport so what i would say <laughs> is that growing up and probably until i was like 12 or 13 years old when tiger woods became my hero my hero was lane frost and tough Hedeman. and it, it, people have to watch the movie eight seconds i think from a kid from Montana, there was uh, a lot of influences that brought that up. You bring up rodeo every weekend. There would be a rodeo, not necessarily in my hometown, but across the state. The, you would travel to, you would watch, it would be a big, big deal. Kind of like, I would say, what fall is like in Texas. That's kind of what rodeo is like yeah. in Montana. Um, but my dream was always to be a bull rider. And I think I, I grew up riding sheep. I, then I started riding steers and then I got to the point where, uh, you know, growing and my introduction to golf kind of took over and thankfully, uh, I kind of went the other way. So I've never rode a bull. Um, I've rode some pretty big steers. I, I've rode horses my entire life. Well, growing horses, up horses freak um, me out. Like my, my <laughs> wife rode horses growing up. Oh, cause they're like the most powerful animals. And I feel like I just don't, I don't trust them, man. I, and I feel bad for them too. Well, I'm happy. Uh, uh, you know, me and Neil have any comment. Neil's a big horse guy. I don't know if anybody's seen his, uh, his pictures of, of wearing Neil. the helmet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Neil looks like a natural on the horse. <laughs> so I think the prancing horses that you guys are used to are a little bit different than the working horses that I grew up on, but it's uh it's a fascinating culture yeah. and you know once you get in you're kind of hooked and there's a a community behind it um and still now like i'm you know i have the pbr app uh professional bull riders association so people who don't know like on my phone and i check scores uh and if you have a pbr you know, fantasy team <laughs> i do not uh <laughs> that's 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 beyond uh my my fandom right now but yeah, it's uh it's just kind of the way that it is. My my biggest association with the PBR would be it's always the counter programming on Sundays <laughs> when they won't show a football game on like CBS in that second slot, you know? Like that's I'm like, "Oh god, it's bull riding." I turn it on, I'm trying to find a football game. Yeah, or all the you know, all the college basketball is on is on ESPN and uh, yeah. And, yeah, you know, and, and something else, and CBS is 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 hard into the uh, bull riding. Uh, Cody, question: Like, I'm kind of envisioning you as uh, as Jimmy from Yellowstone, kind of a you know a little you know just just a scrappy scrappy ranch hand, you know, undersized and and you know finds his way in the world. I don't know if I should take compliment to that or be offended uh, for people that have seen Yellowstone. I think everybody envisions himself more to be a rip, but you're right. Probably uh, Jimmy would be more you're like if line. Jimmy turned into rip. Thank you. I, I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, I think I bring a, a little bit more 
than than Jimmy does at times. Um, and definitely have never been banished to Texas just to go learn to be a man. Uh, I mean, at some my, point, did you like like going from eighty eight pounds? Like, like how quickly did your weight double? Uh, I don't know. I graduated Ranger School in two thousand six, and I think I weighed. 132 pounds. Um, but that's just because of like being completely emaciated and, and learning how to be hard. Uh, but I think later, you know, definitely my, my thirties I've gained weight. That's probably, <laughs> and maybe that's when the doubling has happened, but it's weird. I grew later in life. Um, and that's just kind of the way that it goes. I don't, I don't know. I, I've, I, I, I I don't think I'm a, a super small guy. I mean, I'm bigger than you, so. Yeah, oh, oh no, you're like, you're, you're like a low-key unit. Like, it, being around you, I, we're probably the same height, or I'm probably even, like, half an inch, inch taller, and, like, it, it seems like you, like, you have a much more commanding presence than, than really any of us, except for, except for big, I think, so. Uh, uh, Cody, I wanted to, speaking of wrestling in, in Tron 2, did you guys happen to see the, um, Kid from Virginia, Adonis oh, Lattimore, yeah. yeah, who won the the state wrestling title at 106 pounds and was born without a right leg and only a partial left leg. It incredible, incredible video. If anybody has not seen it, um, I that's and to think, Cody, that you were wrestling at at what would you say 86 pounds or 88 pounds uh, yeah. as as a freshman? That's that's unbelievable. You know, it's kind of scary, too, because you'd have some seniors that were like cutting, you know, 20, 25 pounds to get down to 98 and just would throw me around like a rag doll. And at the time, you know, they all had like stubble and they're they're just rub, yeah. rubbing yeah. you into the mat. Like, come on, man, like, take it easy. Big, big. I need you to make weight this year and and, you know, cut down for Halloween. So you, mm-hmm. so you can be Chet Holmgren. <laughs> <laughs> High school me would have been God. I that would have been such a perfect Halloween. I think I would be confused a lot in high school for Chet Holmgren, the uh, the the skinny seven foot one basketball player for Gonzaga. If people are not aware, it's essentially exactly like what I look like. Like one hundred and seventy pounds. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I obviously wasn't quite that tall, but definitely that same body type. It's that's too funny watching him play it's like holy shit that's must have been what i kind of look like except i'm not going to be the number one pick in the nba draft <laughs> uh um, big how was how was your time in the big city oh the big city new york the city that never sleeps it was uh it was a great weekend um went up there on the back end of our strapped trip last week and got in friday didn't really do anything noteworthy friday but then saturday Got out into Manhattan, was um, was going to – very, very culture day, guys. W- wanted to go to the Met, but the lines were unbelievably long. So went down the street, uh, went all around the Guggenheim Museum. Never been first, to Guggenheim. Yeah, first time I'd been in there. They had a couple of exhibits. Actually, uh, an artist from Cincinnati was one of them, Jenny Jones, which was uh, a bit of a pleasant surprise. And then uh, Vasily Kandinsky was oh. the other artist. Yeah, who I really liked. His his works were awesome. Um, but just a cool structure. You know, Frank Lloyd Wright designed um, some great views 
up on the upper floors of, of Central Park. So that was Saturday. And then I had some good meals over in Brooklyn, the high, high room. Where else? Bricolage. Oh, we went to Moe's General in Williamsburg, which a buddy of mine from Marymount, actually a guy in my sister's class, has just started in the last year. So anybody in and around Williamsburg and Brooklyn looking for a great slice of pizza and a great environment, I would suggest that. But guys, the, the absolute highlight of the trip, the air ancient baths were out of this world. I mean, TC, think like the refuge out in California, but put it like into a New York building and that that was it. I, we're talking steam rooms, all different where, kinds of pools. Where at in the city? In Tribeca. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie John Wick, the, uh, the, the scene where he's in like the bathhouse going after the bad guy same place it was it was very cool very cool they had a they had a salt float tub um i spent like five minutes in the 50 degree pool it was felt so good um so yeah that was the highlight great awesome great weekend and then i got to fly out of LaGuardia, the new terminal there on united airbus a320 great experience on time smooth flight love that Uh, i want to be fully transparent about that so uh, love that Big, yeah. I flew. I flew out of uh, flew into Westchester last Thursday morning on Delta, mm-hmm. uh, and then flew out of flew out of Newark on United. I uh, did not hit Laguardia last week, but uh, my Westchester experience. Westchester, cool little airport. Enjoyed nice. it. Nice. Nice. Uh, I've never seen so many PJs in my life either. Do you know what was crazy? Flying out of New York. It was bright Bluebird Day. Right. Flew out at. I think my flight left at two p.m. And going up out of LaGuardia, I was on the window. It was like the first time in my life that the geography of New York like really clicked. And I think it was because I was, you know, however thousand feet high in the air, but it just had a perfect view. And it, and it like all made sense. Even Manhattan like that. I don't know why. Like Manhattan's never really made sense to me in New Jersey and Brooklyn and where like it was- Staten Island over to. Bayonne and all that. Like, that's what never makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, kind of tucked up in there. Yeah. You know? So it was really cool to be able to see the, the whole area from, from on high. I felt like for the first time it was like, Oh, okay. I kind of see where all the different places are. So that was, a, that was a thrill. Randy, I'm thrilled that you got to see the Kandinsky exhibit. I'm a big, big Kandinsky fan. I actually think his stuff's like that stuff. I prefer it to, to uh, Picasso. It's a little bit, you know, less, uh cubist or less uh you know abstract yeah yeah kind of playful in a way too you know um really fun colors and that makes me very happy that that you're in on kandinsky yeah Yeah. i wasn't um, really you know what i need to like re reinvigorate that part of my brain i took ap art history in in high school that was the only ap class i ever took and uh because my gpa was so shitty otherwise (laughs) and uh i got a five uh, on the AP exam, and I absolutely—I had the best teacher, I had Dr. Michael Beasy. I absolutely loved it, and actually thought about majoring in that in college. So, That's, God, you're always learning something new about your buddies, right, Cody? Right. But I, I threw it back in the school's face of like, yo, you, like you're not letting me take any other AP. Like, basically, I, I just didn't do well in math and science because I hated it. But like, I, you know, I probably had a three seven GPA in in English and history, and probably a 
you know, a 2.0 GPA in, in math and science. And uh, yeah. so I threw it back in their face when I got the five on it and I said, taste it. You know? <laughs> I love you did the Ray Lewis dance. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, today's episode is brought to you by Whoop, the personalized digital fitness and health coach and official fitness wearable of the PGA and LPGA tours. Train smarter, recover faster, sleep better, and now feel healthier with Whoop and their all-new Whoop 4.0, the latest, most advanced fitness wearable on the market. The all-new 4.0 is smaller, smarter, and designed with new biometric tracking, including skin temperature, blood oxygen, and more. The device features a new smart alarm designed to wake you up feeling refreshed and ready to take on your day. Plus, it was designed with the all-new Anywhere technology, so you can wear it with their Whoop body sensor-enhanced technical garments. So that means boxers, shorts, compression tops, bralettes, leggings, and more. Just remove the band from the device and slide it into the garment of your choice, and you're discreetly tracking your daily activity with Whoop. The other thing I really like about the Whoop 4.0, you can wirelessly charge it anywhere. They have upgraded the battery pack. It's it's totally waterproof, so you can shower with it. You can wash dishes. Uh, it, it's just much easier way to recharge your Whoop on the fly without wires makes for a very easy process. And right now, this all-new waterproof device is free when you sign up for Whoop 4.0 membership. And for any existing members, if you have six months left of membership on your account, you can upgrade now and get the 4.0 for free. Right now, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code NLU15 at checkout. So go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, Enter NLU15 at checkout to save 15%. Thank them very much for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now back to our episode. Well, TC, we got we got a lot of we got a lot of current news items. Um, but I also want to get into the Ukraine stuff because I feel like that's going to be robust. So what what do you yeah. want to hit on before we dive into I that? Mean, just a follow-up from from a previous week. Uh the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, uh the second now has uh the vid. Mm. Not good. I'm, I'm assuming she got it from Charles um, monitoring that. Of course, there's the ship on fire out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Sounds like it's up for grabs. Full of lithium batteries. Finders, Finders keepers. keepers. Yeah. Which is awesome maritime law. Yeah. But, but Cody, any, any, any experience with piracy? None. Thank God. I, I'm not a swimmer. That's why I didn't join the Navy, man. Okay. Um. Let's see here. We've got uh, the family behind Fatburger and Johnny Rockets. Allegedly, they're they're laundering all sorts of money. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah, hate, I hate, hate to that. hear that. That's I hate to hear that. Brand. I feel like we're uh, early in that, right? We're we're, yeah, for we're sure. keeping our eye on that. Randy, I think you need to issue an apology on behalf of the NBA and the participants of the dunk contest. Okay, so I didn't see it one second of it, so I don't know. I, I will issue an apology. I, I did see some Twitter reaction that it wasn't great. Um, I do feel like the OB Toppin bet was the biggest no-brainer, so I am proud of myself for making that in our DraftKings plays. But yes, I will apologize for the dunk contest. Being Some people race. are saying that they need to cancel the damn thing, at least for a couple of years, and kind of reset. I guess there's a there's precedent for that too. They just need to find ways to incentivize the actual best dunkers to take part in it. Yeah. And, and I don't really, except for just like throwing a bunch of money at them, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Uh, hey, big, I got a question for you. Why is there an NBA All-Star weekend? Why? What, just to break up the season or who's profiting from this? Like, why is this a thing? The same thing with like NHL too. Sure. Yeah, there's money to be made for sure. Uh, putting it on. 
I, I think it does give the rest of the guys, well, a couple of things, I guess, in my mind. It, it does give you a break midseason, which is which I have to imagine is very appreciated. It's an opportunity to recognize the best of the best. And, you know, as, as a league, it's a good way to, like they did the NBA 75-year team this year, right? Like it, it's a good way to do fun stuff as a league to, to honor and to recognize and, and to do the, that sort of stuff. Because that's one of the good things, like, you know, I think Bill Simmons had a good tweet about it, which, you know, like as far as the, the NBA does such a good job of connecting generations of players, mm-hmm. like where like, you know, I'm not sure if you guys saw the, the uh, video of Charles Barkley or of uh, Shaq talking about kind of everybody that like mentored him along the way and brought out the best in him from Bill Russell and, and Julius Irving and all that stuff along the way. But it was, it was a pretty cool, like three or four minute speech that he had on on the set of yeah the the, tnt show but but i think it's kind of a celebration because i think the the nba is so much more intertwined with pop culture than like any other league now it'll be interesting next year with like the the utah jazz hosting nba also they're gonna get the tabernacle choir performing yeah which you know maybe that's like you know kind of a de facto like Sundance, you know, kind of thing. Um, I still remember when I was, when I was, God, this was probably 2000, I don't know, 2000, like mid, mid 2000s. I'll say that we, we, we had the NBA all-star game in Atlanta and it, it was like before uh, in dash DVDs or, or the, like those were just starting to get popular, but like people were rolling around with like champagne and just parking their cars in the middle of the street in Atlanta and like it was like the biggest party for three or four days. Like it, it was crazy. I've never seen anything like it even since then. Um, it, you know, it was, it was wild. Like I just drove around the city like all weekend. It was, it was fascinating. So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I don't know, Cody, does that, does that kind of, like, I, I don't have a better answer than that, I guess. Um, no, I, 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 I'm always curious about. It. I think the the last like probably full All Star game that I watched was like Vince Carter destroying everybody. And, yeah, sure. You know, you, there used to be these like major moments from it, and now I'm just kind of like, eh. yeah. Randy, what's the whole projected score thing that they're doing? Projected score. Yeah, like they have to. It's like an Elam score or something like that. Elam ending. Oh. You know this. It's like this. Uh, it's it's some some professors like scoring format. Oh, so yeah, so there's a big thing going with basketball. Well, not a big thing, but you know, there there are two ways to play a game of basketball. It's like a predetermined right? score, basically. But yeah, yeah. You either play to a score or you play until the clock hits zero. So I think the Elam scoring format. I'm doing a quick Google search. So it looks like in this game, the fourth quarter under the Elam scoring format, the fourth quarter would end when either team reached the target score, which was defined as 24 plus whichever team had more points after three quarters. So I guess team Giannis led 133 to 124 after the third quarter. So the target score was 157, which was 133 plus 24. Um, Right. But I don't know if they were putting in like you have to win by two or any of that stuff. Because I think the final score in actuality was like 160. It sounds like it's been a hit to the point where they're even talking about doing it for like the 
you know, the mid-season tournament that they're going to do in future years. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. This was from 2020. So they didn't use it this year. And it's, was that what people were talking about bringing it back? I thought they did use it this year. I'm seeing on Wikipedia that they used it in 2020. Okay. But I, I could be wrong. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't watch. <laughs> I didn't see any of the All-Star games. So I'm, I'm kind of talking out of my ass. Randy, I want to ask you about this. I think LeBron's a big bitch. All right. Well, oh, I know you hate LeBron. The whole, the whole messaging that if you draft my son, I'm probably going to come play for you. And also saying like, sure. you know, I'm not ruling out going back to Cleveland. Like things aren't going well in LA. So now he's going to bail on LA and go join up with, you know, Garland and, and, you know, Cleveland's nucleus. Cause they've built that back up now. Like what a bitch. Do you not have a problem with that? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I, I'm kind of over the the LeBron as GM, right? Like, I don't think he's a particularly good GM. So, but I guess it just doesn't get me as heated as it does you. I just, I don't know. Like, my blood boils when people are like, oh, like even mention him in the same breath as 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 Michael Jordan. Well, I think he deserves to be mentioned in the same breath as Michael Jordan. He's he's clearly he's one of the he's clearly one of the three best basketball players of all time. Listen, I will agree with you there, but I don't think he's I don't think he's he's on the level of Michael Jordan. He you know how many miles he has on on that body? Totally. And, and lots. It's it's incredible what he's doing even this year as uh I think know, he's on all allegedly I think he's on all the PEDs. Well, listen, that's a whole nother thing. I I don't know. I I think LeBron so I, I separate LeBron into like two different people, right? There's there's like the on-court basketball LeBron, and then there's the off-court LeBron. And I, I think I, I, I really like aspects of both of those people. And then there are things that I don't like about both those people too. So I, I think it's like the true definition of people are complicated for me. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. You see, uh, you can't kill two of Randy's heroes in the same week, man. Phil already died. Just, just leave LeBron out of this. Uh, I'll say I, LeBron was never a hero. I will say when he first came into the league and got drafted by Cleveland, I mean, it was awesome, right? Like I saw LeBron in high school playing state championships. Like he was, he was a phenomenon. Um, obviously he is leading the player empowerment, which I think is a fascinating discussion, whether that's like where that progresses to and, and is that a good thing for fans? There's a lot, a lot going on. I, I yeah. think, yeah. Uh, I don't have like I don't, I, I don't begrudge him either for wanting to play with his son, right? Yeah. I can remember when Griffey Senior played with Griffey Junior for that year in Seattle. But yeah, his whole team jumping and it's it's getting a little, you know. I, I think he needs to take some for kind of assembling a, a really bad. Or, yeah. I, I mean, I this year, yeah, like, right? Yeah, they like, won a title in LA, so it's it's hard to say it's been like. Not good because because they did win a title, but it's it's also not going well at the moment. Randy, who's your favorite basketball player of all time? I mean, Wally Zerbiak for sure. Okay, yeah, but like, do you mean like more famously? No, that's that was a great answer. Okay, yeah, okay. that's exactly what I was looking for. Okay, you know, I was I was thinking you were going to say Michael Bramos. <laughs> Michael Bramos was fun to watch. Yeah, Kenny the Hitman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, yeah, I had the avocado shortage. I guess there's there's some <laughs> something going on down at the border. 
<laughs> avocados can't get into the country. It's not good. Um, and then all sorts of bad shit happening with Credit Suisse. Uh, yeah. Big, big breach of, of all sorts of uh, documents. Uh, they're, they're doing, they're laundering all sorts of money and hiding all sorts of money. Uh, who would have ever thought a Swiss bank would be up to some <laughs> shady shit? <laughs> hate that. So, uh, yeah, I guess let's, let's, let's talk all things Ukraine. And then I want to talk a little bit of airport stuff on the back end with Cody too, because there was a lot, a lot that we left unpacked with him uh, when we did the airports pod back in December. Okay. Cody, let me tee up this way. What, I mean, where, where do you want to start? What, what, what is the lay person like me that really doesn't know anything? What, what are the most important things I need to understand about what's happening with Russia and Ukraine? The most important thing is that the global consequences that this is going to, going to have, that's going to affect everybody, not just the small percentage of people who listen to this podcast that might have service members deployed supporting uh, operations in Ukraine, but it's going to ultimately affect your pocketbook when it comes to rising gas, gas prices, stock market. And overall, when you look at global conflict, uh, you know, when all the uh, attention swoops over here to Ukraine and the ongoing situation it leaves opportunities for other bad people to do things uh, at other parts in the world. There's just only enough bandwidth to go around, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this whole thing, like yesterday, uh, so Putin acknowledged and, and, you know, the independence of these, these two regions that are in Ukraine. Um, and the only reason, and, and continued to say that, like, hey, Ukraine's actually, like, not a real country. Um, this is just all part of his uh, total plan to try to rectify what was uh, the Soviet Union and, and build back kind of to where the total Russian empire used to be. I was going to uh, say, it sounds like it's it's less about Soviet Union and more about like pre, you know, pre-Soviet stuff, pre-Lenin stuff and more like old school czar shit, you know? Yeah, and it's a, it's a big power play. I think, you know, not just Russia, the big actors. So Russia, Germany, what I'll mention why they are such a key player into this, uh, the EU and then the United States and, and really what, you know, Ukraine was never going to get accepted into NATO, like the whole sham. Uh, it just kind of prolonged something that Russia knew was going to happen for a long, long time. Um, this isn't the first time that they played this trick of, of the, what they're calling a peacekeeping operation that really is just an invasion into Ukraine. So we could go back to what they did uh, previously in With like Chechnya. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chechnya, uh, even back to 2014 when they played this, the same stunt in Ukraine that kind of built us to where we're at now. Um, and, and ultimately, like they did this in, in Georgia in the past. It's it's very normal move for their, it's their, their boys. It's their playbook. It's their it's their signature move. It's their calling card. Now the question is, is like how far are they actually going to go, and where where are they going to push it? So, in total, reports that there's about 170 thousand Russian troops that are taking part in this operation. Um, surprisingly, uh, as large as that number seems to be, that's not completely enough to take like to do a complete invasion of the country of Ukraine. So it'll be interesting to see 
how far they actually push it and how far the world lets them push it before there's actual actions outside of sanctions that are already being announced this morning. Um, But yeah, it's so, it's such a complex situation. You know, you got to think like a year ago, uh, the American public was still like worried about like how much money Hunter Biden took from like Ukraine oil company and Russian meddling in United States elections. And as silly as those things sound now, like what's happening is the result of, of this massive geopolitical play that people got caught up, you know, thoroughly involved in. All right. So what, what we're seeing here is, is all of these decisions, discussions, influence within the United States and global politics actually playing out in real life chess pieces that is this massive game of war uh, that Vlad seems to be able to control everything on. So I brought up Germany. Why does that really matter? So the largest natural gas reserve in the world uh, is controlled by Russia. They do a really good job of, of, of exporting that uh, not only to Europe, but also to China. Um, part of that was uh, the second pipeline that they're, they're getting ready or, or thought they were going to commission, which is Nord Stream 2. And what that was basically going to double the amount of natural gas that they're going to bring into Europe, which terminates, of course, in Germany. Um, and circumvents Ukraine, right? Not just Ukraine, but Poland as well. So that's why you see them jumping up and down in, in, in the polls. Um, having such a big part in this because it, it's literally taking billions and billions and billions of dollars uh, away from these countries that like Ukraine is one of the poorest countries in the world as it is. Average, like last sentence census that people were able to do, like the average household in Ukraine brings home like $550 a month uh, to feed and provide for their family. So what you're going to see is as this conflict continues to expand, there's going to be a, a major uh, humanitarian crisis. There's going to be a, a refugee crisis uh, that's going to press onto the rest of Europe. And they're going to be kind of in the same situation that they were in 2016, 2017. But when people are freeing out of Syria uh, to find safe ground and, and protection, that's what's going to happen here. Now, the end game, what are they actually reaching towards? I don't know. I mean, all of these like separatist regions are very small pockets. And if they stay there, you could say that those people are very aligned to Russia and want to be a part of Russia. If you look at Ukraine as a whole, uh, Russia makes up like a, a very, very small uh, minority of people who actually claim that they're of like Russian descent. They're all very proud Ukrainians. They love the fact that they're or an independent country and and want to remain that way for the time being. I mean, I think majority of Ukraine sees themselves more in the EU and wants to be treated as European or another European country than they do ever Russia or anything that Russia has going on. So it, it's silly when majority of people, the public don't really know much from Europe like Ukraine and what's going on outside of maybe a random, you know, TV show that they watch 90 day fiance or something like that, where you see all these, these uh, uh, ladies marrying uh, uh, American men, but there's a lot more 
going on there that specifically targets the the oil and gas industry and gas prices at a global scale. Where does Belarus fit in? So kind of the the what I would say is the 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 training ground, aka we're we're playing a little bit in in the right pocket, but we're also playing in the left pocket. There's there's kind of we can play both sides of this. Um but it, everything like buildups in Belarus, they're they're you know a natural staging area uh that that both sides can kind of use specifically though more european united states uh for for massing troops for support just in case anything does actually break out at a larger scale now president putin said a long time ago that any uh you know crossing of the border would result in not only sanctions but also some form of military response uh we haven't seen that uh just a little bit ago was the first time the White House actually declared it an invasion of Ukraine. So hopefully that does not happen. Hopefully the political side of it can take control and things can settle down a little bit. But, um, you know, it, it's bad. You know, the uh, French president's been in, in negotiations with Putin for months now and really heated up the last couple of weeks. Thought there was progress there. Uh, but ultimately, like the timeline that we we were following throughout kind of the Olympics and it's the same plan that they they just dusted off and used again. It seems like even the Chinese have said, like, you know, like, yo, you're going back to this plan. Like, this is the yeah. same. You're, you're running this playbook again. I mean, this is like Boris Yeltsin shit, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a very scary situation and and. I talk about all this and like am interested in it because I hate the thought like the thought of a world war is the most terrifying thing uh, that anybody should think of or or dream of this thing ever getting to like any sort of conflict. And I know that's a lot from me and people think that I'm like 100 percent pro conflict and like, let's let's go get them. But like, this is horrible. I've seen what uh, conflict not only does destroying countries that by the way the united states has also took an absolute equal part in invading other locations um and it destroys everything not just what the the home countries have going for them but their the population tons of innocent people will end up being killed and and for what at the end um it, it's just bad i guess for vlad to to feel like he is getting what is he feels is rightfully his uh, back together. What's but, been uh, what's been our like, I mean, I know we sent some troops over to I believe Poland, Poland, Germany. Like what's the what's been our response or what's our staging right now as it stands? That's about it. Um, we always have a, a global response force on call. We have, uh, you know, there's a lot of military bases uh, throughout the world. Um, the the closest one for this probably uh, would be Germany and Italy, with you know entire battalions of personnel and equipment staged, ready to go. Uh, that's like the worst case scenario that I hope that never comes to be, because that's like a, a very a very sad day. What do people need to know about? the Russian population and 
you know, I think so much is put on Putin and the leadership over there. But what do people not really know about Russia and their population and, and what's going on like within Russia? So there's a huge split right now in the Russian population, basically between like the old guard uh, versus younger people. Um, you see this in protests that, that are happening all across Russia, even before this. I mean, people like freedom there. The world has been, you know, greatly expanded and accessible, made accessible to uh, Russian people just based off the you know, the internet and the availability to reach out and talk and take part in things. Um, so there's a, a major divide between you could say the olds versus the youngs on where their, their stance is pro Russia and what kind of their support to, to the government. So Vlad's up for, you know, his approval ratings are in the absolute dumps. Uh, and he is kind of using this, or one of the theories is that he's using this to, right? yes, to bolster his position uh, w within his own, you know, constituency. So that's kind of the, the game plan that he's, or it's believed that he's going for. The other thing, though, is that there, there there's billions, millions of dollars at play that, that ultimately would benefit Russia. Um, and ultimately, like, you know, the amount of natural gas that's that's running out of there. And even though they shut down one pipeline, that doesn't mean that like they're completely done. The sanctions are going to help that a little bit. They've, they've not only top Russian uh, officials, but Russian banks that deal with other uh, international banking institutions. Um, so they're, they'll tighten up on that. But again, you, you there's a lot that you can't uh, control. Um, and we'll see what other cards are, are played in the coming days to try to back this. It sounds like they're getting more and more aggressive as far as, you know, um, especially with naval stuff, right? In the, in the Black Sea, the Mediterranean, you know, up in the polar regions. Like, I think that's probably the most underreported thing that's going on anywhere is like both space and, you know, the Arctic. As the Arctic thaws out, like all their shipping lanes open, all that stuff. And Russia clearly feels that that's their sphere of influence right yep 100 percent um did you ever do any like cold weather operations yeah we did cold weather training um and, and i'll say this like the mountains in eastern afghanistan would be the closest thing that like i ever got to true like i guess you could say not so much arctic but cold weather fighting um and like you're freezing, like doing helicopter infills, wearing like so uh, a level we would call a level seven uh, in, in levels that you can wear of approved cold weather gear. Level seven would basically be like your big North Face like puff jacket. Yeah. Basically, if it's absolutely freezing, because like you're still like running and moving. So think of it like somebody out skiing, like you're wearing levels. Uh, to maintain your worth because you don't want to overheat or anything else like that. There's been missions where I wore my level seven uh, jacket. So not underneath my, my kit or anything, but like over top that would just kind of be open. And they ultimately ended up fabricating one. So it kind of, it kind of looked like a lady's crop top. So like a super uh, high, high cut level seven, it just basically covered your arms and like a little bit of your upper body. So you still had access to 
All magazines and yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. So magazines, frags, um, smoke, you know, medical equipment. You can still move. Uh, but I remember doing infills and like literally landing a helicopter and jumping out and being in like four or five feet of snow, like oh. just not moving anywhere and being like, <laughs> oh man, this is this is not good. So what the hell the do you do? Well, the first the first thing that you do is like helicopters land and people can look up these videos all over the time. So there's a massive normally uh, in the countries that we've been operating and there's a massive brownout. So as uh, the rotors come down, rotor wash knocks up all this dust and dirt and everything. And, and you can't see. So you'll wear goggles or uh, sealed glasses, your eye protection to, to make it so you can see and actually run off the back of, of the aircraft. Uh, in snow, it's a completely different story because it's kicking up ma massive amount of snow that's just pelting you all over your face. You instantly get like just crazy frost everywhere. And like it's super hard to operate in the snow, man. Like you're 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 cold. You're trying to move. But like, you know, you're walking in uh, drifts of snow. You can't really go anywhere. Uh, so we quickly realized and learned like we need to figure out. We need to take, you know, snowshoes or uh, some other mode or, or ultimately what we do is just land super close to the target. Most of the time on people's roofs and, and come in so we don't have to mess it all around in the snow. Uh, and that was and I'm assuming that was a big component of the timing of all this, of kind of waiting for the harshest part of winter to break. Yep. Yeah, uh, so for waiting for uh, ground to thaw. So if you you've seen pictures already of like it, this is legitimate conventional warfare. So trench fighting, um, people, you know, a little bit of thaw, so you can actually move, establish outposts, uh, trench lines, and you know, I think what the biggest thing that people have saw of like massive train loads of armored personnel carriers, so tanks being able to transit uh, across the ground and move into position uh, and ultimately not just move them. So you could say the frozen ground will, well, you can drive on anything, but like, what do you do when you get there when like you're occupying somewhere? Like you need to be able to dig in and, and fortify your position. Uh, yeah. Like it's funny. Cause it seems like there's, there's been this, this undercurrent or this, this counter current of people in the U S that think, you know, this is a political, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a, smokescreen right it's like oh the intelligence community is trying to trying to drum something up or trying to you know conjure something out of nothing and and it seems like it's it's like no like this is this is very real and they're being proven right in this instance right 100 percent. and for all those people that it's just like a political move so it's like the first time that uh the price of uh a barrel of oil has climbed over a hundred dollars since like 2014 it's already of above $100. It has the potential to go up to $120. Everybody's going to feel that uh, at the gas tank when they go and try to fill up their vehicle. Um, there's a lot of other second and third hand uh, effects of this that are not just political and they're not just, you know, positioning for greater influence, not just in the region, but, you know, across the world, because that's really what this is. is uh, It's true war games that are going on. Um, and it's scary. It's a scary situation. What's the, like, what's your prediction? What do you think happens over the next, you know, six to 12 months? How does this play out? I think that they'll 
take these two new uh, independent areas. They'll hold him, hold them. And that's just kind of where it's, it'll end. I, I hope it stales out from there, but ultimately that's just kind of where we're at for now. And then we'll wait and see when there's new undeclared regions that come up in the next couple of years. And they play the same part again, then, right? It's like, it's the same thing that happened with the, with the Crimea stuff. Right? Yeah. hundred well, That's what I was going to ask is, is, is there anything materially different than what happened in 2014 or is it, for all intents and purposes, pretty much the same. It's the same. The only thing that would be different is like Russia's motivation for the Crimea is access to ports. Um, whereas these the locations that they're at now are bordering regions with Russia that are majority of them are our, you know, Russian sympathizers or, or feel that they are a part of Russian Federation as it is. So it, it's it's just one of those things. It'll be interesting to see, you know, we, we talk a lot about the, the U S response. We talk about, uh, the EU specifically led by the United Kingdom, um, a, a little bit on Poland and then where Belarus is at and the whole thing, but like the Ukrainian military is, is semi-competent and they're very, very used to this conflict. They've been doing this since 2014. they They've been fighting the rebels that are out there. They're now rebels that are now aligned with Russia uh, and have, you know, years and years and years now of of this fighting uh, under their belts. So hopefully with a little bit of experience, I'm sure they're going to get support via air power. Um, and it seems like the, the country of Ukraine is just as upset uh as the rest of the world and it's kind of looking for the world's response to this so it's really just a question of like where does russia stop right do they stop right. at those regions or do they keep going and make this into a bloodier you know kind of retribution style thing i guess where where do the germans stand with this like you know you would think that you know it's like the nato and and all that is is like that response is kind of led by by the UK or by France, but like the Germans seem like they would be the mo the ones most up in arms just from a historical psychology perspective of you know feeling like they've got something on their on their eastern flank that's that's encroaching upon them. Yeah, um, they're they're kind of caught in the middle. They they want that natural gas keep pumping in and making that money off of it, but at the same time they want to protect their homeland and and they've done a good job of like you know the the certification of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was has been delayed multiple multiple times by Germany for that reason um and, and they see what this potentially could turn into because again like they're going to feel the brunt of this not on the humanitarian side of it uh they're also their pocketbooks going to get hit um but they're also just going to turn to the EU and be like yo and, and NATO and be like what are you what are you guys doing to help this um yeah the the a lot of people were very off on this um to include the united nations we've we've had months it seems like of, of talk and dialogue of saying like this isn't going to happen and everything and well here we are it happened randy i'm throwing the united nations in with fifa and you know uh the horse racing people and ncaa and the ioc as far as effectiveness and and you know, just general competence. 
you're gonna do that to your the the legacy of Boutros Boutros Golly? Yeah, I am. I am. I mean, Cody, is that too harsh? No, I mean it's just one of those things that it, it's somebody has to be the bad guy, and it always seems to be the United Nations never really wants to stand up for for they they stand up and make a big show about what is right, but there's not a lot of action that actually comes from it. Uh, so I would say, yeah, yeah. If we're going off that, there's just a lot of smoke that comes out of there. There's never a lot of fire. Yeah. Uh, gosh. And then you add in like, you know, it sounds like hypersonic missiles are, are, a you know, kind of a, a factor in all this as well, which Putin claims to have them, even though they haven't demonstrated their use, I guess we're they're in development for us, which makes it, you know, a little bit less important kind of to have, that geography, right? When you can hit something very, very, very quickly from a, a farther range, right? Right. And that's the, so I talked about 170,000 estimated troops, uh, but like they're, they haven't even shown really like their entire arsenal of, of what they're capable, capable of from an air uh, or, or sea launched, you know, firepower. So it's, again, it's a, it's a, bad bad situation that i hope What's none the, of that comes to it but they they have the tools need to to make massive massive uh you know not just casualties but damage across all ukraine what's the context on the russian military like like what would you equate them to from a you know uh firepower and competency and and equipment personnel standpoint very 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 proficient um they have uh equipment that they they need some of it may be archaic in nature but they are very well trained and established fighting force uh we've seen this in russian actions uh in the the conflicts that we talked about already but specifically and more recently like uh northern and northwest syria and their their ability to follow direct orders stray from the kremlin and not really give a shit about uh the the humanitarian side of it or or killing of any sort of innocence is is kind of what they do i mean they're they're scary they're scary force they're capable of of a lot of things and i'd say uh if we talk about like global wars um they're right up there at the top with capabilities and uh, the equipment needed to to create massive chaos sick where does china kind of fit in on this being an ally of Russia. Um, you know, do, do they look at what Russia is able to do with these slow creep acquisitions? I, it seems like it, is that kind of what China's angling for a little bit in the Pacific and with some of their historic territories? Yeah, I think they are uh, probably silently in support of a little bit of what Russia is doing and probably learning a lot from them. But uh, on, on the global scale, China is already executing their 50-year uh, game plan. Uh, and they don't make decisions randomly. Everything is very thought out, planned, uh, and deliberate in nature, uh, um, in which if you could see uh, them maybe changing a, a little bit, but like they're already, you know, their, their horse is already way down the track. This is not, uh, they don't plan the same way that 
that Russia does. They don't play in the same way the United States does. And, and ultimately that's, that's the scariest part of it all. Um, immediate. What, what you'll see is that, you know, they're, like you said, an ally of Russia, but ultimately China understands it and is somewhat contained uh, by other global actors in, uh, in play. Um, but I don't see them making any rash, rash decisions. I saw a couple of reports of, of their immediate action and, and kind of uh, moving outside of normal war activities and war games that they do in the China Sea. But I just I don't see them making a huge jump uh, in the near term. Well, folks, there, there you have it as far as the Ukraine. Anything else on that front, Randy? No, unless Cody has anything else that he feels like we didn't we didn't ask him or, or set him up to discuss. No, I mean, it's a it's a ongoing situation to to say the least. Um, you ever have any any run ins with with the Russians here in Syria or or with like, you know, KGB when you've been somewhere? <laughs> Well, I mean, Russians, yeah, but they, uh, I remember one time we were in, uh, so northern Syria, Euphrates kind of comes down through Turkey, running north and south before it kind of moves hard east, south, you know, southeast, uh, and moves over to Iraq. And I remember we're in a a patrol base doing the clearance of Mambij uh, and trying to free Mambij from ISIS control and and literally 500 yards uh, to our west at the time was a Russian patrol base. And we would drive past them every day. They'd, they'd wave to us. They had a completely different mission. And, you know, it was just kind of one of those things where you don't mess with them. They're not going to mess with you. And and you just kind of went along your way. Now, ultimately, that changed a little bit in 2016, 2017, when there was uh, not so much Russian military, but Russian mercenaries that were in uh down on the uh, in syria directly on the euphrates river which the united states ended up uh bombing the shit out of because they were continuing to to target u.s positions so it's one of those things kind of cat and mouse but uh yeah they're very they're very capable it's very proficient uh fighting force and like i said like this thing is this could blow up to be a, a very big 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 deal uh that i just i pray doesn't happen as far as militarily, anything else going on in the world right now? Both, you know, just from a any any news or anything else that's kind of flying under the radar? Uh, not so much. I mean, we killed the the leader of of ISIS a couple of weeks ago. Uh, made news for about a day, and then news cycle went on to the next thing. Next guy pops up. Right. right. It's a, you kind of continue to, to cut the snake off or the head off the snake and, and, and go from there. But what I think people don't really realize is like how conf, uh, uh, like major, uh, moves that that is by not just the United States military and, and elements within it that, that conduct these operations, but also a pretty good sign of the new administration and what they're, uh, feel comfortable approving operationally. So, it was kind of the big, the first big uh, mission approval from President Biden, and and it seemed to go off without a without a hitch. So very successful operation. Still have some stuff percolating in Northwest Africa uh, that we're monitoring, and then ultimately still you know ongoing uh, issues in Yemen of who who's to blame, who's going to pull out, who's going to stop backing who, and ultimately hopefully 
uh, give the Yemenis a little bit of of chance to regroup and and live a normal life. Um, but it's just it's just a crazy bad bad situation that the U.S. is a hundred percent uh you know has their hands in and continues to to be a, a a polar of strings both financially but also providing weapons to to saudi arabia and the uae to to do things against the houthis what's going on in ethiopia any updates there i know shit was kind of popping off for a little bit there there were there were uh accusations of genocide i know they're filling up the dam there's water trickling yep. into the into the reservoir they're generating power randy that's a that's a follow up from, you know, yeah. last year, a couple of years ago. Yep, damn. Uh, you know, th- seems to be working. There still is ongoing issues. Uh, we talked about with just mass executions of, of people, um, but not so much military. I think that was kind of hot and heavy in like October, November. Things have kind of settled down since then. Uh, and then the only other thing that really is. I would say coming up is like what you'll see in, in the summer for the world cup and kind of you see actors and bad actors can continuing to position themselves and be in place for some form of, uh, of attack in a country that, you know, doesn't really like to play nice with people and see what ultimately comes out, you know, comes out of that. Hopefully nothing, but we'll see. Uh, any update on the Burkina Faso coup? I haven't heard anything really in the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, Randy, that's I, on I, ultimately we I forgot a, about it. We, we exactly. got to do a little bit better job of keeping tabs on that. I thought we were supposed to be monitoring that. I know. Um, we're, we're that's kind of slipped through the cracks. All I what? know is that you guys potentially, you, you backed the wrong guy. So that's all uh-huh. I know about the situation. Uh-huh. But we, we do, our preliminary backing, it has a lot to do with aesthetics in our defense. That's, that is true. Because admittedly, I don't know a whole lot of what's actually going on. So all we can go by is first appearances. Uh, we didn't on both sides. There's bad people on both sides. That's usually how sure. it is. Hey, we TC, if, you, if you're going to be like, would you be like a warlord? Would you be a tyrant? Like aesthetics wise, what kind of vibe would you go for? Mm. So I bought Randy this book uh, oh, as a called, gift. Called Dictator <laughs> Style. Yeah. It's called Dictator Style. And it, and it basically goes into, you it's know, fabulous. Um, Gadda- like Gaddafi's style was off the chains. I was God. I was going to say that before you started answering. I was like, I, I have Tron pegged as like a Momar Gaddafi type. Yeah. In, in, uh, in, in his dress, in his appearance. Yeah. I mean, you know, the fact that he lived in a tent in Central Park when he came to the UN or, you know, up on somebody's estate up in Westchester, like just just wild shit, just outrageous. Um, what was the Filipino, uh, guy's wife who had all the shoes? Um, you know, that, 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 that could be part of it too. I got a lot of golf shoes, so it could be, True. you know, uh, Ferdinand Marcos, I think. <laughs> what else? There was that one guy that in one of the coups a few years back, Randy, that I, I know you, you appreciated the hell out of his, his strong man outfit. You know, with the camo and and yeah, no, of it's course. like the it's like the dollar store camo. You know, the book has uh, you know all the famous ones: Hitler, Lenin, Stalin, uh, Mussolini, but then uh, Mobutu, Idi Amin, uh, Ferdinand, Amelda Marcos. 
It's, it's a really good you know book. What? If you, Randy, had your choice, who would you kind of fashion yourself to be? Mm. I think Randy would be more stark. Yeah, a I little bit so more, too. a little bit more buttoned up, a little bit more probably Eastern European, I think. Right? Like a, uh, you know, Ceausescu or something like that. From yeah. Romania. Uh, yeah. I, I'll tell you who has dictator style, who her, her aesthetic really matches up with like what's going on. Justine Reed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Yeah, some, some of these animal prints, a lot of, you know, imperialist lions, tigers, very aggressive animals of stuff of that nature. Uh, just all sorts of different patterns. What's that brand? She's always, uh, 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 Lily, uh, Lily Pulitzer, or whatever it is. Oh yeah. I say you guys, I was deep on the heat. I mean, we're running multiple sources over here at No Laying Up. I was deeply embedded during the PGA Championship last year. Me and Lady J, she didn't even know what to hit her. Had a 20-minute conversation with her, snapped a selfie, really? and just was in and out. People have no clue what happened. Elicited the shit out of some information. Uh, <laughs> she's not going to listen to this, so we're good there. But I didn't blow my cover. Uh, Might have to shave next time I come out in public, but you never know. I heard you got your cover blown by uh, by by Aaron Walker, though Jimmy Walker. Hey, you, you, were yeah, you were made. Yeah, you were made. I'm still Walker. trying to get back in. Uh, you know, I don't know what we call those guys. The the South Texas. Uh, what would they be? Militia. Not so much. Uh, the the militia. I was going to call them vigilantes. Yeah, I don't know. Aaron Walker was so nice to me. Uh, chatted her up. She was, she, you know, she's a big fan of no laying up. Knows exactly what we have going on. Walker and uh, her. Yeah, and Jimmy walked up. This was at uh, San Diego. Walked up off the eighth green, going to nine and and kind of. I guess I noticed that I've been talking to his wife for like two holes, and just came up and pointed at me and said, "Who the fuck is this?" <laughs> <laughs> and. Aaron really? politely uh, uh, thanked me for my time and, and discussion. We're talking horses, man, and uh, moved on. Yeah, yeah. Aaron truly, truly might have the horses in the back. I don't. Honestly, it's hard to fault Jimmy for being a little, a, a little. You know, uh, we're not doing that, Randy. We're not going no, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't. I don't allegedly. I don't. We don't, I don't know. Begrudge him. Uh, hey, we didn't ask Cody about the Havana syndrome. Oh, God. Yes. Big, do you know what's going on with Havana uh, Syndrome? Well, it was on 60 Minutes the other night. I know. Right? I missed the 60 Minutes segment. I know they're... Okay. I'll get you up to date. Okay. Just so originally, in 2016, out of the Cuban embassy, hence the name Havana Syndrome, Department of State personnel started uh, complaining of basically what would be side effects of a concussion. So there's uh, vertigo, very uh, nauseous, disorientation, things like that. All right. So that was when the initial reports kind of came out. And since then, there's kind of been sporadic reporting uh, about, you know, personnel uh, at key embassies across the world, but primarily in some Latin America countries, uh, a little bit uh, of things going on in, in Austria, at Vienna. But what's really picking up steam is that uh, since the initial reports came out in like 2017, 2018, uh, there continue to be ongoing attacks. But not only that, it's the first time that we have reported attacks and people suffering from Havana syndrome on the United States, not just on the United States, but personnel who work 
in the White House. All right. So 60 Minutes uncovered uh, a couple new sources, uh, not just sources, I guess you would say, but uh, victims of what they have experienced from this attack. And what it means is that what they believe uh, to be causing it is, of course, uh, some form of microwave weapon. Uh, so the weapon is some form of radiation or who knows? I don't really know how a microwave works. It just heats up my food, but targeted and it can pinpoint, uh, you can pinpoint it through walls, glass, uh, concrete. It doesn't really matter. They, it, it all depends on the sides and how powerful the actual weapon is, but literally you can point it and shoot it and it can basically penetrate anything. So one of the uh, you don't feel you, you can't really you don't know what's happening, but one of the side effects of uh, of the weapon is this loud, high pitch ringing, uh, which 60 Minutes uncovered the first time they somebody had recorded the noise and they played it on 60 Minutes. Now, of a course, lot, a lot of people you, thought it was a cricket. It's true. Or cicadas. People or were cicadas. blaming it on cicadas. Yeah. Randy, um, any, any connection to uh, the hum? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's what I think we're so early in this. We don't know that. We, we don't know. So, very, so they, very so they have the they have audio now. They have audio. They still don't know exactly what it is, who's doing it, where it's coming from. Uh, but there's been multiple uh, targetings of senior White House uh, personnel, not so much uh, executives or anything, but personnel that work on uh, specifically Vice, Vice President Pence's detail uh, that was targeted a couple times. Uh, Ambassador Bolton, his detail was targeted in London. Uh, and then a couple other cases uh, of some guy, I don't really know his position, but uh, in China. So still no clue who is behind it, what their actual intent is, but actually like super, super scary stuff that this thing can just kind of pop up and, and get you uh, wherever you're at. So, so you, I mean, you believe it's hundred percent like a real thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where you, you can only put so many symptoms together with an unknown cause and, and like, what else would you attribute this to? Um, yeah. You know, there's dozens of people in Havana who initially reported it. And then they said, oh yeah, maybe two or three of them experienced a concussion and everybody else is just kind of jumping on the bangway and, and saying this. Um the issue is now is that the, the active CIA director, uh, Bill Burns, one of his staff was actually targeted uh, when they're on a trip in, in New Delhi. And he is like a, a firm believer. CIA is actively investigating it. They're trying to get to the bottom of it. They've invested a lot of money and resources to additional medical personnel to study the effects of it. Um, so it seems to be that finally the government is saying, yes, this is an actual thing. Um, we got to figure out, first of all, how do we help these people that have already been victims of this, this targeting, but then take it a step further and say, okay, what, what type of devices are capable of this, who makes these microwaves and, and kind of, you know, the fact that this, the one, uh, lady who works on vice president's detail, you know, she was targeted leaving, uh, their office, which is right next to, to the white house, she was targeted leaving that building, walking into the entrance of the West Wing. All right. That's the first time that there's like an actual attack on U.S. soil. Uh, you know, we could, we could go all the way back to, to 
uh, and the fact that it, it hasn't been tied to anybody yet uh, is very, very scary. And it seems like that's just uh, whoever's doing it, trying to send a message of like, yo, we're here, we're capable of this. Yeah, I would love for them to share like what, what the message is. Like, <laughs> give, give us something. How how much exposure or like what length of time? Do you have any clue like what, um, how long you need to be exposed to it to start experiencing symptoms? No, no clue yet. Some uh, have said that they they were woken up, you know, people that, that had their, comp, their residences uh, or barracks that they were staying in overseas targeted that it shook them, literally shook them out of bed uh, that they were, their bodies were pulsating. They could not stop the ringing uh, and they immediately left the area after a couple of minutes and still were suffering the effects of this. Now, other people uh, said that they, you know, have slept through it and woke up the next morning with all the side effects of it. Um, and, you know, it just, it, it's still undetermined. And I, and I think that goes back to like how powerful these weapons actually could be. I mean, you're, you're basically just melting. So it's targeting your, your auditory system, uh, but not to the point where you're like damaging your, your eardrum, you're damaging the nerves and your brain to signal what is going on. One of the gentlemen on the 60 Minutes uh, feature this past weekend talked about how he's like partially or completely blind in one eye because his eye is still fine, but it's everything that connects the back of his eye to his brain is like been completely like almost severed because of, of this attack. That's wild. Horrible, horrible situation. I mean, Cody, like, do you ever feel just like originally I thought it was cell phones, honestly. What's that? You ever just feel like the, the uh, world's going to hell in a handbasket? It was getting scarier day by day. I mean, I think that uh, the weird thing about this one is that there's like a ton of other cyber things that you can do. I mean, we basically like, if you think about it, we carry around like this electronic device every day that has incredible power behind it, but could be turned into a weapon at any point in time. Uh, that's why I originally thought that like, oh, okay, I, I understand Havana syndrome a little bit. And I thought it was tied to, to cell phones. And Randy thought it was tied to 5G, you know, the 5G rollout. Maybe. He's been he's been super super wary of that. You know, I know that's causing all sorts of issues as far as as far as you know aircraft and stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't know. I know that I could ask the the three of us like, where's our cell phone at when we go to sleep at night? And I'm sure it's on the nightstand right next to your head. Yeah, yeah, probably not probably not the best. But now but we're saying it's these microwaves. About this shit. I don't. God damn. You know. You asked. It's the world. It's it's a scary place, and it's just increasingly uh, getting worse day by day. It's bad. It's bad. Gosh, I feel like you know, we're an hour, hour and twenty minutes plus in. I don't think we need to talk to you about airports. We can get you back on to to uh, you know run down that with a whole separate agenda uh, in the coming coming weeks and months. Um, Man, I got some for you though, TC. Too. Have yeah. you watched the new uh, the new Boeing uh, feature on Netflix yet? I have oh, not. I want to see on that my, on my list. Yeah, watch it this weekend. Dig in. That's right up right up your alley, man. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, actually, one of the guys, John uh, Ostrower or Ostrower uh, or Ostrower, he's like the kind of managing dude at the Air Current, which is like a really good 
airline newsletter slash, I don't know, just like nerdy shit. And uh, he was he was tweeting about it because he was, he, I guess he's like one of the guys that's interviewed in it a bunch as like a subject matter expert. Uh, and then also he was actually, he posted a, a speech from, uh, I don't know if it was somebody from the KGB or somebody just, you know, w- within the Russian government of like from December of talking about like, hey, 2022 is going to be a really, really difficult year for us here in Russia, but it's going to be a year with a lot of pride and all that. Basically, like front running all of this shit. You know, I'm saying like, like we are pot committed to this thing. So you want to know like the 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 live feature that they showed yesterday when they were like all discussing like the if they were going to grant this these disputed areas independent and like all the people who are like zooming in on their wristwatches and they're like, yeah. The, the, the times don't add up like this is obviously pre-recorded <laughs> like the, the more and more like you peel back from the whole situation like oh, of course like yeah. they've had this planned out forever wild wild well cody this was uh it's always a treat to get your expertise and wisdom certainly appreciate it yeah we'll just we, we just gotta keep keep monitoring i guess What's Big, up, speaking of monitoring, question for you. Uh, you guys got a shitload of snow uh, this week, right? The mountains got dumped on. I, I missed the big steamboat dump by a couple weeks. Uh, snowing in Denver right now. We're supposed to get snow today and tomorrow. Very cold, but it's going to warm up by Thursday, Friday this week. What's your, uh, what's your, your, your ski day count up to? Seven. What was the goal? 25 we got work to do february has been super busy march should be should should make some inroads in march don't know if we'll get to 25 but i think at least 15 hopefully 20 and then you know april is going to be super busy for us too so i'm not sure if i'm going to get much late skiing in but uh, i need you getting your ass up to a basin and i have not been to a basin yet that's a big miss yeah so that's that's one I have to get to before the end of the season. Cody, what was your your ski history or your ski experience growing up in Montana? Uh, I used to do it occasionally. I grew up skiing. Then, like every uh, kid who used to to shop at Hot Topic, I moved over to snowboarding because that's what all the cool kids do. As did I. Uh, but ultimately, like I'm back to skiing. <laughs> I went back to skiing because it's it's way safer and like way more enjoyable. But I grew up, uh, I grew up snowmobiling. I don't know if you guys have ever gone snowmobiling before, but it's a blast, man. I have not. You showed me some of those videos. Yeah, no, I have not. Though of dudes, you know, going straight up mountains and and you know nearly doing back, you know, doing backflips off the top of a mountain peak and everything. Yeah, I think wow. next year, like our winter, our winter retreat should be a snowmobiling trip. Oh God, Randy's gonna insist we go to the Yellowstone Club. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see my friend Phil there. That's true. And, and, uh, and, uh, Ming Tsai. That's oh, true. I can't guys, the way that he's still talking about that peaking duck, I can think like <laughs> the way that he described it and how he's like, I've mastered it with the, uh, the air system and being able to separate the skin from the fat. I'm still thinking about it. Ming, if you listen to this still like totally down for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we hey, gotta- TC. TZ, before you leave, I, you got a busy couple of weeks coming up. I understand that. But with uh, your little bros uh, pending nuptials, have you put any thought on what, you know, what this big day is for, for him, for the family? You know, are you getting yourself prepared? 
Yeah, I'm prepping for the. I, I got to think a big speech coming, right? I'm prepping for the best man speech, uh, which, you know, to give you a window into Neil's world, he, he never actually like told me I was the best man, uh, you know, which I, I, you know, I kind of figured I was, but I was like, you know what, maybe it's one of his college buddies or something. I'm not going to be offended or whatnot. And like, you know, a couple months ago, I was like, Hey man, like, just like, just so we're clear, like, you know, am I in the wedding? Like, you know, fine either way, whatever. And he's like, yeah, dude, of course. Like we, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, probably just oh, want to like nobody told like, me you know, like, <laughs> like get on like talking to people and telling people if they're in the wedding or not um but yeah you know oh, gotta do a speech gotta MC the uh the uh rehearsal dinner on friday night um you know a lot of people coming into town setting up babysitters for people um you know all that jazz so uh it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big big weekend is this speech, are you, are you like a, a funny guy or are you a serious guy or, or what's, what's kind of the theme you're going with here? I'm not a comedian, you know, it'll be heartfelt and it won't be too, too long. Like the, the worst thing in the world is when, you know, the bridesmaids get up and are like, oh my God, I remember when, you know, uh, my sorority sister and we were at this blind date thing. And, you know, it's like, no, like we're not doing that and we're not doing like, you know, like there, there'll be some, some funny, there'll, there'll be a few jokes sprinkled in, uh, something kind of, you know, talking about the arc of Carson and Neil's relationship. Um, you know, probably a little bit of a reference to, to our, you know, our upbringing and our, our childhood together, and then kind of bringing it full circle with working together now, but, but no, it's, you know, and it's kind of, you know, as they've been down here for the last couple of years now, um, you know, kind of making light of that too. So, uh, I haven't really gamed it all out yet. I'm, I'm just, just starting to kind of work on it. Yeah. I'm happy to hear though, that you got your tuck situation finally figured out. Yeah. God, supply chains, man. It's not good. Well, and Randy, Randy is, has committed to Randy and DJ have, have back channeled They're They've, they're committed to wearing a tux. It's black tie optional, which I guess people are you know, very up in the air on what, whether they're going to wear a tux or not, but Randy's adamant that he's wearing a tux. Mine, mine just arrived. It's in a box. I got to try it on today. Make sure everything fits. So, don't, so don't you just feel more comfortable like just wearing a normal suit? I, I, I hate tuxes. I'm a suit guy, but I got to wear one, you know, because it's in the wedding. Yeah, uh, but Solly's all pissed because DJ, because Randy's, you know, recruited DJ over to Team Tux. So now Solly's going to be wearing a suit and he's the only one of the crew not not wearing a tux here here's my thinking a suit yeah sure a suit fine uh i'm gonna have to pack all of that and then i'm gonna have to iron it probably i i honestly just i might keep my tux i'm a little torn between just keeping it in the box and just taking the box with me and unpacking once i get to florida but then i run the risk of maybe something doesn't quite fit right uh but then after the wedding you just throw it all in the box, take it to UPS and they, they ship it back. So easy. And, See, I finally and, bought and I went very simple. It, it's, I don't have a cummerbund. I don't have a lot of the stuff that can make wearing a tuxedo unwieldy. No, I didn't get suspenders braces as, as some of the kids call them. Uh, it's just a black coat, black tie or bow tie. It'll be fun. You know, you don't get to, uh, I don't know. Randy's I don't, suit. I don't, part of it too, is I don't have a great, I don't, I don't have a good suit. That's, it's actually, I'm working on for my wardrobe was a Christmas present for my parents. Like go buy just like a really nice suit. 
but supply chain, I'm not going to have that till April. So I'm kind of left in a spot where you get suits like a good suit. Cause you're so fucking tall. Well, no, you just got to get it tailored. You just got to take the time to, to get it tailored, but they can Do work. Do they even make like the pants long enough? Of course. It's just 36, 36, uh, length. Yeah. The, the big thing is just trimming out the material around my, my slender chest and upper body area. Uh, yeah. Good I'm questions. Good guy. I, I look a lot better in Navy than I do in black. So that's kind of my main issue with tuxedos. I would love to get a Navy tuxedo at some point, but that kind of defeats the purpose, right? What about the, has there been some thought or has Alex told you, uh, what the hair slash facial hair situation is going to be? Well, that's an ongoing discussion. It's more, of, it, it's more of my mom, you know, uh, she'll, she'll, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I will have some sort of a beard or five o'clock shadow for the rehearsal dinner. And then she'll make me shave for the wedding. Uh, and then Freddie and Gustav are, are walking the rings down the aisle. Big, <laughs> big job. To, I hope they're, it, it is a big job. <laughs> trying to figure out their, their, their outfits, etc. as well. So no, I was, I'm pumped to hear that. Cause I thought that uh, I was a little worried for a second that, that Neil was going to ask me and baby Ben to do it. So I'm happy to hear <laughs> that the, the proper, you, you guys might be walking the two boys down, you know, like chaperoning them down the aisle. So <laughs> no, I'm excited. It's always fun when the whole crew gets together and, and the weather's going to be nice. So again, pump for Neil and uh, his bride to be, it's a very special occasion. What do you guys think the over under is on uh, uh, Neil crying? Um, I think you will. Yeah, Actually, I don't know. It's a good question. I can't really place it. I bet, he cry. I bet he cries when she comes down the aisle. He might, he might just dab at the eye. I don't think it's going to be waterworks. Yeah. yeah. It, it might be a bit, you know, a little choked up and, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah. all right, Cody. You know, oh, sorry. Yeah. And you know what? Hopefully somebody shoots their career low playing golf on that Friday, the day before. As Neil did at Sally's wedding. Same course and everything. Amen. Uh, well, boys, fun one. Uh, covered a lot of ground there. We went in many, many different places. But um, again, if you don't know Cody's podcast, it's Downrange. Search Downrange anywhere you get podcasts. Really, really fascinating people. Interesting conversations there. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Favorite trapper, the absolute.